Welcome to Full Metal RPG. I'm Richie Buzzkill. And uh, tonight I have with me uh, Kayla. Hey, Kayla. Hey. And I have Noland. What up, Nolan? Hey. What up, RBK? I will say I've had a, a slow start to the year in gaming. I just, just, I guess, played and ran my first uh, game last night. Uh, that was, uh, what what did you run? Uh, ran uh, Ghostbusters, the nineteen eighty six. Okay, what what brought uh, the classic first D six uh, uh, West End games uh, system back to life for you? Uh, I've got a group up here that uh, you know we meet periodically and whatever run games, and you know they decided, you know. Uh, they just kind of normally get three or four GMs and everybody shows up and we divvy up however many people fit at each table. Here we go. We, you know, it's a, some friend's house here and you'll get, we'll get 10, 12 people from the meetup and we'll all just split up the tables and do the thing. Uh, and this year they decided it was too unstructured for everybody to just bring whatever. So like each month they've been giving out a theme for the meetup for, you know, bring a game that meets this theme, right? winter or a game that includes animals and right it's up to the gms to determine you know what game they want to be to bring that theme uh but january's theme was old rpgs so i was like oh i'm gonna dig back into my old <laughs> into my shelf and find something truly ancient from the 80s <laughs> well that that that's actually pretty uh pretty straightforward and and some of them are very bad so i, I think you yeah, yeah. A pretty some good old one. games are terrible i was like <laughs> but I actually think it's really amazing. You know, you would think a lot of that design in Ghostbusters RPG was like Forge era, right? Like it's it's there to emulate a genre. Like it's got a you know it took a plot property and like the mechanics and so forth are there to emulate the genre of what happened in that movie. And you know, uh, they're freewheeling and it's got humor and it's pretty rules light. Uh, it is shocking for 1986. You would not believe that game existed if you didn't like read it. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and it is, it has become kind of a legendary game for it, I think, which is, yeah. which is nice. So, so like Chaosium, Sandy Peterson, Rick Stafford, Lynn, uh, somebody, uh, Lynn. Uh, yeah. The Chaosium crew that was working with Weston games at the time. And yeah, it is pretty legendary. Awesome. Uh, Kayla, have you got to play any games lately? Uh, just the like standard D&D games that we always play at my house. So we've got two campaigns running. It seems like we're getting ready to wrap up both of them, though. So like one is probably a couple months out. So but when we started playing it right when the pandemic started, that feels closer than than farther away. So we're playing through... Um, Icewind Dale, which we're almost at the end of, I think. I think we've got a couple more sessions. Our GM thinks to seems to think that it'll be one, and I'm like, mm, that's at least three. <laughs> like I know this group. <laughs> so um, and then uh Tyler's running the Dungeon of the Mad Mage, and 
we're i don't know some number of levels down we've reached level 17 characters so uh that goes to level 20 oh yeah well that's quite quite large but um oh Actually, I, I want to ask you because of the uh, recent hot topic of Dungeons Dragons. I know that one of your players has a subscription of everything. Have they rebelled against the uh, overlords as a lot uh, of people have? I believe so. Wow. Um, I found that, uh, interestingly enough, like for my work stuff, I have it as well. And I've actually been using it to try and like, get the kiddos prepped up for our new our upcoming spring semester and uh dnd beyond has been having some glitch outs i don't know if it's like because people are still getting on there and canceling a whole bunch but like the number of times i've gotten oops we rolled a one um has gone up substantially since uh the last couple of days so interesting uh, I went on there and I have I have one Friday D&D game where I was using it for convenience sake and just to know what it was like. And I just downloaded my character in PDF form. And hey, it's a form fillable PDF. So uh, I can just type shit in there and no one's the wiser. So uh, that was at least uh, nice of them. And I'm sure was done before they were part of WotC. Um, so yeah, that was... <laughs> That was definitely one of those weird, it's been a weird week where we're not going to necessarily talk about that because I think a lot of people have already talked about it a lot and we really don't have any real information, even with Watsi's uh, blog post, uh, trying to walk and things back and catfish things. So we were looking for a new topic uh, and Nolan and I were up late talking and bullshitting and all sorts of uh he was having a beverage and i was having a uh you know existential crisis on the other end of the of the zoom call and he <laughs> he came up with uh a, a a topic for this evening that we're going to go through so nolan if you could go ahead and introduce your topic yeah so this shelf of shame is classic i, I think it comes out of the board game community right where you just buy a butt ton of board games and then they sit on your shelf and you never uh play them but this is also a very very real phenomena in the rpg community right so i thought what we could do tonight is just all three of us like pick some stuff from our shelf of shame the things we haven't gotten explain to one another and to the audience what drew us to these games why why did we think these were worth money in the first place if they're just sitting there, right? <laughs> Obviously, we thought there was something valuable at some point about these, these games. Uh, why they haven't gotten at the table. And, um, yeah, just talk it out. Talk out our shelf of shame. Like, bring, well, it's I a therapy session. Bring, bring your shame to the table and, yeah. and work it out. And and I will, you know, put a plug in for more of the idea of shelf of opportunity or any other way you weren't going to be more uh, positive about your hoarding aspect of your hobby. Um, I, I'm I'm good with that. So uh, so if Nolan, if you go ahead and just kick us off with your first book that you found on your shelf that you have not yet played but you bought and you still hold on to with your cold dying hands. 
Exactly. I, I have a tendency to hold on. I, I have a bad hoarding habit. But the first book, first game, the whole box set scenario here, is uh, Phoenix Dawn Command uh, by Keith Baker and Dan Garrison. Uh, and this is a peculiar game. This is a whole thing. Like, this has got a big, you know, inch and a half thick rules manual. <laughs> it's got fancy, fancy, beautiful art cards you know all kind of three or four different decks of stuff here and the pitch behind this game uh is you're all uh phoenixes which are these uh supernatural beings uh who are reborn time and time again and come to save the world and you know the great evil has come to destroy everything it's a big fantasy uh kind of thing although you could probably reskin it without too much uh, trouble, be something a little different. Uh, but you're these supernatural characters. And, you know, I listen to the designers talk on podcasts and so forth, and they talk about, you know, oh, you know what's, like, terrible in RPGs is uh, is death, right? You How do you deal with death? When your character dies, your story is just, like, over, and you got to, like, oh, let's patch this over with... Uh, some spell to resurrect your character or something. Uh, all these kinds of problems that arise in RPGs around death. And they said, well, no, no, we should re we should design a game around death. And uh, that's what they do here, right? Your phoenixes have seven lives. They're like cats or whatever, I guess, slightly worse than cats. They have these seven lives. And each time they die, they get more powerful, right? Their seventh incarnation will be their most powerful incarnation. Uh, so it's got a little bit of that, you know, kind of uh, press your luck mechanic built into it, right? And I was interested in this because that, that idea of, like, designing around character death, you know, as from first principle, like, I thought that would be good. I thought, oh, this is a fantasy thing. I'll be able to find players for this. Um, yeah, that's that's what uh, drew me to it, right? And like, in a certain sense, like as I've begun to think about it over the years, like, oh, this is kind of it's kind of a one man character funnel, like from an OSR point of view. Like you're killing off your own character, like time and time again, coming back. It's got a lot of interesting aspects. In it, it just kind of caught my brain. Um, but it hasn't made it to the table. Why hasn't it made it to the table? Uh, this is a big old chonky manual here. What what kind uh, of system is that, by the way? Because I, I I know the basics. You know, people you're so, dying and reborn, born and all that. If stuff. I had finished reading it, <laughs> it's uh it's its own system. Uh, uh, I don't have a perfect answer i mean for you what, like to, what kind of system is it is it like a skill system is it like a d20 system is it a tag system did you uh, did you see, find yeah, it it's, a, it's got skills it's got uh what kinds of stuff let me find a character sheet here and, well i think you know, i think it's legend at least what i remember hearing about it is it's a beautifully <laughs> produced game but there's just so much of it that you have to get through to play it it right. is a bit difficult. And I've even through. started reading this a number of times, but like I haven't made it through the, uh, you know, world, the setting stuff to get real system, mm, you know. I see. Uh, 
mastery of it yet, obviously, which is one of the reasons it hasn't made it to the table yet. Right. And it's also, you know, there's been a pandemic. How am I going to get a card game, you know? Yeah. Like this to the table. It's, it's fair enough. Yeah. I, I should have a better answer for you on the system, but uh, yeah, no, it, it is just, well, I mean, a lot of games, it's pretty easy to be like, Hey, this is a, well, and I'm going to just introduce my first book, which is hack the planet a mm-hmm. forged in the dark. It's got a giant banner on the back that tells you what kind of game it is. Uh, forged in the dark, uh, cyberpunk game. Um, I kickstarted this, uh, and I, as longtime listeners will note that I am a stand for cyberpunk and, um, I think Forged in the Dark is kind of a perfect system for this idea of, you know, do, for the, to me, there's like two kinds of cyberpunk. There's like the mercenary punk and like the street punk. And I guess the third type would be like corporate punk, but like where the mercenaries are like going on missions and doing this, like kind of like what Forged in the Dark is, you're, you're doing... Uh, that kind of like repeated missions to build your base to you know build your uh, community to like come back around to to do um, that kind of like activity where you're being badasses and you're you know badass simulator uh, you know kind of cycle and then you know I also enjoy the kind of like we're a bunch of uh, punks on the street fighting the fighting technology with technology kind of aspect. So this, I think definitely falls into the mercenary punk side of things where, uh, because, um, because, and I've, uh, backed a a few of this, uh, Sam Joko, uh, games and they kind of definitely lean more towards the, uh, more is more school of (laughs) cyberpunk. Um, so, I haven't gotten to the table, gotten it to the table because it came out in late 20, the physical copy showed up in late 2019 and then the world went to shit. I mean, it was shit beforehand, but it keeps going in shit. Anyways, uh, so that's why I haven't played it yet. Um, that and the fact that like, you know, it's a pretty, pretty hefty book and, uh, having, uh, time to get through that is a bit, uh, bit dear as they say so anyways uh any any questions (laughs) (laughs) so when are you gonna run it uh well we'll uh here's an idea that was sensing that this may be on kayla's shelf also yeah well is i believe kayla you you have it as well i believe it it may be on kayla's shelf also (laughs) (laughs) Um, well, I'll, I will, I'm going to leave that to the audience. If the audience would like us to see us play any of these games, we're going to have a poll on our discord under this, uh, episode and whatever we will abide by the results of the poll. So, you know, please, of the crowd, please come on the discord. If you're not on the discord already, or if you're there, vote in the poll for which of these you would like to see us dive into and play the most interesting. So 
uh, force us to have fun. Kayla, <laughs> what did, what attracted you to uh, hack the planet? So um, my husband is a super fan of the Forged in the Dark system. Like he absolutely loved it. He's only got to play in a one shot of it and he's been interested in that. So then when I found this on the shelves in one of our, uh, one of our local game stores, I was like reading the back and I'm like, Oh, we're both super fans of um, altered carbon as well. So I'm thinking like merge two loves into one thing. Um, And of course mine's been sitting on my shelf since we picked it up too, for, for much the same reason of like, it's kind of a thick, thick read and I don't have a ton of time to, to commit. And that'll be probably like my stupid excuse for every single one of these that we go through is time, <laughs> time, time is my, not my fan. Of course, of course. And that's, that's going to be a problem consistently, but uh, it's, it, it it's going to be my race car driver excuse for everything. So Anyways, <laughs> Kayla, after we, we had the Before moment we, where we both... Oh, go, go ahead, Noland. Oh, sorry. I had one question. So do you... Before we move on to the next game. Uh, so to me, Hack the Planet seems a natural fit to uh, what Forged in the Dark does, right? Heists, like, that's what we see in Blades, right? Is heist games, uh, which kind of aligns with that like shadow run you know a lot of people played cyberpunk 2020 that way but some people didn't right uh is that the focus then of, uh, of that game yeah it's uh basically they're the first line in here in the back the cover of book is it's the near future and climate change has led to natural disasters which played the known reach of humanity so it basically kind of like you know sets up a terrible future and then you're trying to uh, do heists in big corporate offices like yeah but well it it gets a little more complicated because this one actually like oh you're in one of the last bastions of humanity mm. so like you're in a place called shelter one i now i'm remembering uh and looking at the back of the book again reminds me of what i remember about this is basically it's sort of like the same same-ish setup as Blades in the Dark, where you're kind of confined to this city and you're on the lower end of the food chain. So you're 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 trying to make your way and move up in the world. Um in this kind of like the corporate, the super rich rule this city and your uh your gang is here to uh do what it can to survive and right and you get those kind of sheets like in blades where you have your gang and you take territory and you yeah yeah make enemies yeah i think there's even a there's even a or at least from the kickstarter there's a map that goes with it that kind of like you can lay out and shows kind of the sections of the shelter one and stuff like that so yes it's all that like there's all the bookkeeping for the base and the gangs and your characters and all that kind of like control panel forged in the dark goodness or badness, depending on your point of view. <laughs> yeah. The last, the last paragraph really like kind of sums it up. It's um, in this tabletop role-playing game, you'll embody a character who has had enough of this status quo. 
um, rather than labor and service to the corporations, you choose a life apart from the corporate law, becoming a glitch in the system. Yeah, basically, it's the idea like from Shadowrun where everybody's got a chip and you've taken your chip out or you you've malfunctioned your chip so it doesn't work as well or whatever. So, yeah, it, it sounds like, you know, and I will I mean, I, I clearly have at least two players, so <laughs> and I'm fairly certain I can convince a few more. So uh, that would be a pretty easy uh, uh, uh bid to try and run something like that but like i said we're gonna abide by the the poll of the listeners on the discord yeah i can definitely find you one more player okay in fact i think that like if it came down to it he would fight me for my spot at the table <laughs> to play. yeah that's okay um we're we i think we'll have plenty of space uh for everybody um so kayla since we had that, wait a minute, we brought the same thing. You had another book right next to that as your I first pick. <laughs> did. Um, so I am going to call mine my shelf of shiny ideas. Shelf of shiny ideas. Okay, <laughs> sick, sick. Because I have no shame. <laughs> Fair enough. So, um, yeah, no, I brought my Scum and Villainy copy, which, again, is um, forged in the dark so but this one's in space because of course space heists um and one of my absolute favorite tv shows of all time probably my favorite tv show of all time is firefly um r.i.p <laughs> to, to that season that never ended um but because I like it so much, I thought it would be really fun to kind of like bake the Firefly universe or that Firefly idea into this scum and villainy. And I knew I could get some buy-in with um, the love and adoration in this household for the Forged in the Dark system. I was like, we can definitely get players to this. Um, and uh there is a firefly board game that i absolutely adore i think it does an amazing job of like creating the feeling of being in that universe and it is a beast to set up and so i am only permitted to play that game once a year for my birthday <laughs> <laughs> so uh. i thought maybe this would be an easier way to kind of like get into that universe or have those experiences because you know, tabletop role-playing games are a little bit more portable than a giant board game that takes up the entire gaming table with like a bazillion parts and pieces um, to keep track of your fuel and your your spare parts and your all the other crap that goes into a spaceship and space quest journey stuff. So, yeah, no, I really thought that it would uh, see the light of day quickly. And um, it's just one of those that like with everything else going on in life kind of didn't happen because it's again a thicker book um so you have to kind of get through that rule system and um then you have to find players that are willing to try out the new system and kind of learn those rules and have it just haven't had the opportunity to to bust it out and see what's going on in it well uh as someone that uh played an actively hostile game of that game um i really do think you'll have a good time as long as you're not playing with some very specific people that i was playing with adam and i have told this 
Adam Sink and I were playing in the same game and I think everybody else were friends and they were like not digging on our very small amount of darkness that we were and or, you know, playing a pilot and not actively letting me pilot anyways. But that was just bad GMing. I think you will really enjoy it because I think it does. You can turn, you know, it's easy because everybody kind of knows the tropes of whatever, you know, Firefly, Star Wars, you know, uh, what have you, uh, system or uh, uh, franchise you want to play. Genre, yeah. Genre you want to play inside Scum and Villainy. Um, so I, I think it's pretty cool. So Awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to eventually someday it coming to fruition and i also have it on my shelf but i <laughs> i also have it on my shelf that's so great there, there three for three there were three for three <laughs> um so i have um sometimes i find uh somebody was talking about this i think it might have been uh our old friend brendan was talking about this maybe even on the dearly departed uh, realm of fire it's uh jackals bronze age fantasy role-playing game um basically it's like you know ancient greece era persian era kind of like uh fantasy and you're uh you're playing jackals which you're like basically the people that are supposed to be sent to deal with these like weird things that are happening in places that shouldn't be they shouldn't be happening and uh uh it's actually published by osprey games and if anybody anybody knows like osprey yeah osprey's been doing a lot of really cool rpgs lately hmm. so uh which they're usually a miniatures uh rule set right, yeah. uh producer and i know them as i know them as like those beautiful books of like what did like yeah <laughs> the third french republic's like <laughs> uniforms yeah. look like yeah the uniforms of this period of french history has been yeah. like the bread and butter of osprey for a long time military history but they've recently they produced jackals they also did um alan Barr's templars game was also oh. uh produced by osprey um i didn't know that yeah it, he uh or um it's it's really well made it's this nice tight little book um i and i like the idea of a more gritty fantasy as you i'm not a, the biggest fantasy fan but i want fantasy that gives me uh some difficulty in doing things just to you know just enough to make me feel like i've actually accomplished something instead of you know just kind of like baby stay out my way through things i i'm not looking for like you know like super hard you know we're competing here to see if you can be more clever than the gm because the gm can always throw rocks at you and they win so uh but i think it's really cool i just don't necessarily have a group that can uh that would be super interested in the idea. I think I could convince people in our group to play because I can, you know, we. Yeah, we'll... You're more likely to just. I'm the history nerd. Like you're. Right. <laughs> you have a chance to convince me. Uh, do, 
Does Osprey have like a house system? They or is this like? Um. So this her? one, yeah. They, I they have different systems. I think for every every okay. game. Um. Yeah, it's got the OGL in the back of it, so I'm assuming it's rolling a D20. But um, I haven't really opened this. Uh, here's here's the the heart of every every game. If you want to know about the game, yeah. open to the character sheet. I'm looking at the character sheet. It does have some interesting uh, stats, wounds, some a few skills. Yeah, basically just kind of like a light role playing system by the look of it, and it looks like percentiles for this, for the skills. So maybe like basic role playing a little bit. So nice. Um, RBK is spot on there, by the way. Like for all the listeners, like the character sheet is like your computer scientist or whatever. It's like your user. It's the user interface to the video <laughs> to the RPG, right? Like look at the character sheet. Like that's a good way to like crash course your way into like, what is this system like? What is it about? Like, does it have a gajillion skills? Does it, you know, what does it have? That's yeah. I can usually judge a game pretty quickly by the character sheet. Right. Um, like when my eyes cross, when I look at a Pathfinder one character sheet, right. um, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's not for me, <laughs> but Pathfinder two is a better game. Uh, so basically it's one of those things I picked up on as a lark in one of our local game stores and there's a few more, uh, books to it. Um, but you're basically like, yeah, I I just find that to be, you know, an interesting idea to, to play in, not in medieval times or Renaissance times, but to play in, in Greek and, uh, Persian times. I think that would be really fantastic. And there's a lot of really interesting myth and history to use as you will, because obviously everyone is an unreliable narrator in history. So, um, yeah. Noland, uh, did you have a. Uh... I do have a second book right here that I can pick up. Uh, I'm going to call out uh, my failure to get to primetime adventures. Now, uh, with Phoenix Dawn Command, I had an excuse, right? Like, this is a, that's a huge-ass inch-and-a-half thick tome to read, and I'd probably only get, you know, a one-shot or a short mini-campaign out of it. So it's like, ah. I sit there and I go, oh, man, what's the cost-benefit of that versus another game? I kind of like, am I really going to read, like, this whole huge thing just to run two or three sessions? Primetime Adventures is a slim, like, Forge era, like this is an old, old, old RPG, and I have never run it. Uh, and I was super into all that, like, forge shit at the time, right? Uh, and this has some great ideas, uh, so I guess I should give you the pitch first. Uh, the pitch is, uh, you know, we've seen all this uh, great TV uh, coming out in the early 2000s, like Sopranos, like all those like prestige HBO uh, shows that were new kind of in that era. And, you know, they're basically soap operas. If you think about it for five minutes, but you know, people don't want to think 
I watch The Sopranos. I watch, I'm watching a soap opera, but it's true. I mean, <laughs> like, re- wrestling is a soap opera. Like wrestling every, is also a soap opera, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, but yeah, this book uh, pitches, you know, you make your own prestige television soap opera and play it out, right? So the game has absolutely no setting whatsoever right it's you know at the start of the game you're supposed to uh you know uh, work with the other uh, players to kind of hash out what kind of genre what kind of things you want to do and it can literally simulate game of thrones or you know some sci-fi thing or whatever but the uh the rules kind of treat it as okay you the players are like the actors and the directors and so forth of this soap opera, this prestige television uh, piece. And uh, you all set scenes and uh, it had some very early, what in particular drew it to me is some very early uh, kind of uh, scene setting mechanics where, you know, somebody's going to set out, okay, this is the kind of scene we're all in. And my character wants X and your character wants Y and we're kind of heads for it. Uh, And then you would agree on a conflict, right? Like, oh, we go whatever and we dice it out or whatever. Uh, But then you, you know, before you dice it out or whatever, you'd set the stakes, right? You know, if I win, uh, I get X. If you win, you get, you know, Y and you you'd agree, like, what's the stakes of this conflict in the scene? And so it got totally away from the old, old uh, notion of like, oh, we need to grind down hit points or like simulate physics in any kind of way. Like, we ask, what's at stake in the scene? And can I get what I want based on what's at stake in the scene? Like, these, you know, kind of Things were super interesting to me uh, way, way back when, and, you know, it was kind of a new era of uh, role-playing. But unlike some other things like, you know, uh, Dogs in the Vineyard or other things that ever, I think this is too abstract, right? It's Well, it's it, almost... it sounds like the, 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 I'm assuming this came out before Drama System did. Oh, yeah, yeah. This predates the Hill Folk and Drama System. Yeah, yeah. This predates that. Yeah. So this sounds like uh, maybe a more loosey-goosey or uh, a less less worked yeah. out version of Drama System. Like, cause it, it, you, you that would be a fair analysis, probably. Uh, it, it, is, it has differences for sure. But yeah, it, it, there's a lot that's it's very similar, a very analogous kind of thing. And, you know, drama system itself is very kind of loosey-goosey, right? Yeah. Uh, at the end of the session, you know, everything's kept in this kind of very tongue-in-cheek, like, well, everything the players do is, like, uh, is around, like, uh, setting up a show, right? So uh, the experience points you all pass to each other is fan mail and, you know, <laughs> this kind of thing. Uh, but, yes, it's very similar. It's very, it's a Seeing it as a a progenitor of uh, Hill Folk and drama system would be very uh, real. But I think I'm the only interested, I think I'm the only one in the world interested in like something this abstract and weird, (laughs) right? 
Well, it doesn't have much. That's not. It doesn't have much <laughs> grip for other people to get into, right? Well, I, uh, I swear, and we'd have to sit and we'd have to sit and, uh, you know, decide even what genre we're playing. You know, like <laughs> it's like there's not much there there, right? I could. Have why I think it hasn't gotten to the table. I could have sworn that I have this on my shelf. I'm. I either was going to buy it or I didn't buy it or it is on my shelf and I don't know where it's at right now. But I I, I did see this uh, at a, I think at somebody's booth at a convention and I think I bought it, but it yeah. is deep in Buzzkill's bookshelf. Any Press Revolution probably sold this for ages, yeah. Right. It's deep in the bookshelf of Buzzkill's bookshelf behind me and I... Have yet to uh, I'll see if I can unearth it, but uh, look, I'm interested in that sort of role playing uh, because I think it, like a lot of the stuff that came out of that same era, like Fiasco and and some other stuff. I think it has this like essence of trying to tell stories in a different way and searching and fight, trying to f see if you can make this thing work like it's not necessarily especially like that doesn't sound as polished as some of the other mm -hmm. things that came out from that same uh that, that were the gigant the big pillars of what we think of as the indie revolution over the last 20 years right. um but it does sound like something that you if you have the right group could really you can have a lot of fun with because yeah I it's almost like it the no. Sure. It's almost like the no but game. Yeah, <laughs> like everything else is yes and, but that's no. You can't have that, but we can talk about it. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. And this says first printing two thousand five. So yeah, that's that's in that whole kind of early two thousands forge era. And you know, I don't. You know, I I'm sure I'm I'm known as the indie RPG guy. <laughs> like gets into this kind of thing, but. Uh, you know, the Forge definitely had its problems, but those guys were trying to tell stories and do RPGs in a radically different way, which I think, you know, was valuable in the era. Like, I, after the 90s, like, that was needed. Like, Well, I think there was a lot of cool stuff, detritus from the 80s and 90s that they kind of reconstituted into something interesting as well. There's yeah. like stuff from like ghostbusters and you know there's a yeah. lot of there's a lot of different like little there were predecessors yeah exactly like ghostbusters like there were definitely predecessors that they could have looked to yeah and like they didn't come out of nowhere that's definitely true there's definitely an 80s and even 70s history of you know hell pendragon has a lot of cool indie rpg stuff <laughs> yeah well uh very good. Uh, Kayla, did you have a, uh, a second one you wanted to talk about? Yes. And it is Kids on Brooms. Um, <laughs> so I really, really love the system of Kids on Bikes. And I've run about a million um, <laughs> a Junior Brave Survival Guide to the Apocalypse, which is the same system. Adore it. But the reason that Kids on Brooms has not been run in my house yet is because I refuse to run it. I want to play in it. Mm. <laughs> so um, I know like the system, I could probably run it um, fairly easily. But I have this obsessed idea of basically with Kids on Brooms, You, I really like Harry Potter. Um, 
most I think both of you know that in fact it, those of you watching I have in Harry Potter shirt of sorts on today um I'm taking it back because it's got the magical unicorn in the center um the only thing that could make this t-shirt better is if this magical unicorn in this center was wearing a like trans pride scarf I think that would be well, it's a rainbow chef's kit. it's a rainbow it scarf. is it's a rainbow <laughs> scarf but it would be even better if it was a trans pride scarf. Fair um, enough. Fair enough. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to write T Turtle and be like, "Can you please make this change?" Yeah. There um, you go. <laughs> but anyways, um, I really like the idea of getting to play as a like kid in this magical academy, and the premise is that like magical academies can be anywhere, so it doesn't have to be the Hogwarts. It could be like some school out in the middle of nowhere. It could be some school in like an urban setting. Um, you can kind of, you as the players get to kind of create this world together with the GM. And Kayla is obsessed with the idea of this school being out in the middle of like a cornfield in Oklahoma, where like there is clearly some conservative folks standing outside with their signs protesting the existence of magic and the existence of this school. And so all of the kids have to go past this to be able to get into their, their magical school and deal with that. Um, that came to me when I was driving by a group of people protesting from I think Planned Parenthood, they were standing outside and I'm like, this would be so funny if we incorporate this into like the magical school and magical setting. Um, so yeah, I want to be a player and that's why it hasn't been played. I think it would be a lot of fun um, just waiting for someone to decide that they'll GM it for me and whoever else wants to run around and live out their uh, magical school fantasies. Well, uh, yeah, I think uh, I, I'm not a uh, big Harry Potter person, but I get the attraction of the idea of the the... the you know, uh, coming from the hero's journey, coming from nowhere, finding power, being opposed, overcoming obstacles. Fantastic. Right. But also uh, the coming of age, like the coming of age. Roman, like, yeah. 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 And I think I have such an affinity for the like Harry Potter universe just because like I grew up with those books. So um, I grew up as they were releasing and just kind of like reading them as they came out, which was a different experience than um, like getting them all at one time and reading through them, I think. And so it was, it was an interesting time. Um, and definitely was one of those books that had a large impact on my life. In fact, I think that like those books are one of the first times where I've been so angry at a book that I had to like set it aside for a bit because the character was so real that it was just like, I'm I'm so pissed off I can't read this right now or I'm going to scream like I don't want to read this because it's hurting um so I think that it would be really fun to get to play um in my own version and tell my own story um and kind of get to experience what you know what would a magical school out in the middle of a cornfield in Oklahoma look like or what would a magical school in the heart of New York City look like and maybe like you get there from magical subway systems that others can't see. And what would that be? And how can we craft that together? Um, it's one of the things I really like about the kids on bike systems in general is that like a lot of it, um, you can kind of like craft the story together at the table. And I think that having the group collaboration to tell this like 
make this interesting setting and then tell a story within the setting that you create is a lot of fun. Well, very cool. And I will add that to our poll. I think that's a good amount I, of, hmm, go ahead. Kate. Yeah. Uh, I think any of these, you know, whatever comes up on the poll, like I think any of these, like these are strong options. <laughs> right. Uh, and you know, and we will, uh, you know, it's, it's always good to have uh, new experiences and we sometimes get stuck in our own little ruts. And I feel like that whatever the wisdom of the crowd says we should do will be a great selection. So look at, go ahead and come on the discord, hang out, talk about RPGs, vote in the poll. Uh, there was some excellent conversation about recent controversies and uh, there was some cool conversations about Oh, and we're, I'm still doing uh, Dungeon 23 on there, except I'm doing an RPG thing a day, so, or a sci-fi RPG thing a day, uh, about one system. I think I'm doing just a solar system, as it were. Uh, anyway, uh, but uh, I would like to uh, thank uh, Nolan and Kayla for coming on and being part of the crew. Uh, and, <laughs> and this was a lovely scramble to figure this one out. So uh, hopefully we can... Uh, get uh, better in the gear as the year goes on <laughs> i like hearing people pitch games they like though like it's it's interesting to me. yeah yeah and, and uh we we have a lots of we have some interesting ideas we just need to implement them one of which is uh scratch that itch io and if there's a weird itch game that you think people should know about send it to me or noland and we'll take a look at it and maybe we'll talk about it on the show. So, or Kayla, as it were. <laughs> <If you've, laughs> Sorry. What? I can't read. I don't uh, know what you're talking about. Well, we're, yeah. Anyways. <laughs> I'm the one known for <laughs> delving the depths of it. Yeah, I should just tell him that, yeah. Uh, full Metal RPG uh, biz at gmail.com. Uh, and uh, th we wouldn't be. As cheerful as we are today without uh, our good, good patrons at patreon.com slash fullmoonrpg, uh, we are uh, proud to have a uh, such a fine crew of people helping us out, uh, getting things done, and we will eventually fix Nolan's sound at some point. Trust me. <laughs> uh, with the help of money from Patreon, I think. So, um and uh that's that's pretty much the show for this evening uh thank you very much everybody say good night good night good night Rah. <laughs> <laughs>